the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. Look in the eyes to see. Look in me straight to lead. You give me all I need. So give me courage to believe. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors. And the ones who still sleep right. Now here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks, and welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with a special guest, but before we get to him, I want to just say hi to my partner in justice, Benita Hopkins, who's actually on vacation and can't be here with us today, but sure do miss her, so I want to acknowledge her and then drive right into our, our guest for the day, which is um, someone who has just just really been such a blessing to us in the I Am House and, and with our program overall, and that is Ben. Ben Wheeler. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? Hi, Vanessa. How are you? Great. So Ben has been a juvenile hall chaplain for the past five years, and while doing that, has actually been leading an organization, the executive director of a program called Youth for Christ. And then even before that, doing some work uh, for, for 10 years, right, in probation corrections, um, working in Stanislaus County. Ben, um, I'm so grateful that you could make the show and excited to hear about how you came to be a chaplain or, or you know, working there in the probation corrections um, department, I'm sure, led the way. But maybe take us back, you know, 15 years ago. How did you get started in this in this place? Uh, well, I got out of the military in 99 and wanted to do something impactful with my life. So I figured the best job for me would be to be like a boot camp instructor at like a boys ranch. Mm-hmm. So I applied at a few different boys ranches and uh, they just weren't hiring at the time. And I I was hired by a, an organization here in Stanislaus County. It's pretty well-known, um, Sierra Vista Children's Center. And the position was for a daytime house manager with kids ages 7 to 12 um, that were under the diagnosis of severely emotionally disturbed. Uh, so I got 40 hours of training right off the bat. And uh, even before I walked into a group home, um, I realized that this was not going to be the job I thought it was going to be. It was, you know, I could see God taking it in a, a totally different direction. Um, I really didn't even understand uh, the system and the CPS system and the foster care system and what group homes are. Um, and if your listeners aren't aware, group homes really are modern-day orphanages yeah. um, with you know kids that are, are there 
um, that either have parents that are not uh, fit to take care of them, maybe uh, parents that are in, both parents are incarcerated, no other family members, yep. um, or kids that have been so abused um, that they're not able to function in a, in a maybe a normal environment. So, um, you know, the different levels of group home care kind of uh, talk about the different kind of backgrounds and abuse that the kids have been through. So I worked in a co-ed group home um, for a year with kids ages 7 to 12. Uh, during that time, I was actually going in with our church, uh, doing Friday night volleyball with a program called Youth for Christ. So I went through their background check and um, was doing Friday night volleyball in juvenile hall. We'd go in, play volleyball with the kids, uh, do soda and snacks with the kids afterwards and kind of just share with them and talk with them um, there at the end of our volleyball game. And uh, during that time, um, my wife said, man, that's not for me. And I said, oh, my goodness, I could do that all day long. And uh, so I, I started the, the, the background process for becoming a probation officer, um, and it's a long process. About, it's about a year process. Uh, during that time, I went to another organization called Big Valley Helping Hands in Stockton and worked with kids that were 12 to 14 years old, uh, mostly, in fact, all boys, um, that were in jeopardy of losing their placement, whether it was in group home or foster home, because... Um, of emotional outburst and, you know, um, behavioral problems. Um, so I was using the Boys Town Social Skills book, teaching kids that were horribly abused and abandoned neglected, had, you know, really no family um, that was safe for them to have contact with. Um, and I really wish I could go back and work with some of those same clients now, knowing what I know about trauma and, um, you know, some of the skills that we're able to teach our clients now. I did that for a year and had some one of our clients I'm still in touch with him all the time because of uh you know the impact that he made on our life and and uh, the impact that we were able to make on his life um then I went to work for juvenile hall mm -hmm. and worked as a probation correction officer in custody and the first couple of years there it was really you know the learning curve of learning law enforcement learning what it takes to um run a unit with you know at that time we were 36, 37, pretty sophisticated, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old boys, um, almost probably 85% have uh, pretty heavy gang involvement, um, the rest of them there on, on pretty serious charges. And so for about two, three years, I, I, I learned the job. I, I learned the safety and security of an institution. Um, and then I got transferred to a unit called Juvenile Drug Court. And at that time, we were doing um, drug and alcohol treatment in custody with the kids, and I had a, you know, an older probation officer say, hey, you know what, you're really good at the, um, the safety and security. Now, you know, learn some skills that can help you uh, make an impact and difference with the kids. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being given permission now to maybe use some of the skills that I had uh, picked up in the first two years of my career working in the group homes and, and uh, for Big Valley Helping Hands. So um, started just experimenting with different groups, different materials, different books, um, how to build rapport with, you know, more high-risk population. Um, and as a probation correctional officer, I, I would see the juvenile drug court groups going on, and I had an amazing um, facilitator there named Vanessa, and I said, hey, can I sit in on the groups and, you know, just talk when it's appropriate? She said, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, and, and that was probably the beginning of the end for me as far as leaving probation and and becoming a, uh, a youth counselor uh, because it just broke my heart. You know, one of the things I learned in, in service to Children's Center was all behavior represents need. And, um, you know, working in juvenile drug court with kids with 
human trafficking backgrounds, um, drug addiction, uh, serious, I, I call it gang addiction because our kids are, are indoctrinated yep. into the gang lifestyle. That totally has agree. become their identity, their family, their safety, their security. Um, who they see themselves to be at their core is really, you know, a, a gang member. Yep. Um, and, of course, in the Bay Area and the Central Valley, we're, we're pretty gang uh, infested in all the different areas. So I love gang members. I love drug addicts. I love our girls that have come out of human trafficking. Um, and I think the one thing that's really helped me be able to see that uh, all the anger represents need w- mm. was just something that um, just sat with you. Me. Yeah. We're working um, with uh, with the kids in juvenile drug court. One of the things that sticks out to me is uh, one of our boys who had some behavioral problems, um, you know, we were going around the circle and they talked about family and he goes, yeah, you know, I, I've met my dad twice and he's a homeless guy. He lives down in Turlock. And the first time I said, hey, I'm your son, Josh. And he goes, oh, it's nice to meet you. And he said, and the second time he was so messed up on drugs. And I said, hi, he wasn't even coherent enough to say hi back to me. Wow. And I thought, man, That's you know what, hurt. by the grace of God, anybody who goes through that, you can see why, you know, they use things to cover up that hurt that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and 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 I love that. You know, all behavior represents need. You know that that absolutely resonates with my heart as it relates to this. And 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 you know, it's it's really um, it's interesting, right? Because depending on what perspective you come from, um, you may criminalize someone who's demonstrating certain behavior. You may criticize. You may uh, ostracize someone who's demonstrating that behavior. But if you recognize that it represents need and you come from a place of compassion, especially if you're unable to meet the need, um, it it, it does something to the dynamic, right, between you and that person. And I think it sets the path. It sets the pace, if you will, for healing, right? Um, And so when when we come back, I actually want to dig a little bit into, so I'm going to ask some, a few controversial questions of you um, and just for you to think about and for the listening audience to ponder, Uh, you know, and and just in thinking about gangs, uh, I've often compared the way that people feel about their, um, their placement in a gang to the way that people feel about their placement in the military. Um, hmm. very, um, you know, allegiance, um, it, it provides a great deal of identity, a great deal of structure. And, um, I would love, you know, being someone who's been in the military and then is also working with a, the gang population. I would like, uh, love when we come back to hear from you about how you would contrast those two. And obviously, you know, one is considered honorable and isn't involved in, you know, crim- criminal, uh, behavior, but, but how would you contrast them? And is there a similar thing that is drawing? Um, a young man to to either one. So when we come back, we're going to hear more uh, from Ben Wheeler. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Ben Wheeler, who is a juvenile hall chaplain, has been doing that for the past five years, and also the executive director of Youth for Christ. And he was just kind of taking us through his background and all the various things that he's learned along the way that have brought him to this present time. We are going to touch on that comment that I made earlier about contrasting being in the military with being in a gang, but but just, just kind of taking us, bringing us to the current day, Ben, maybe you could continue with 
with um, how you've come to this place. Sure. Um, you know, after sitting in on, on juvenile drug court and getting to kind of co-facilitate some groups, um, really just caught a passion to um, learn more. You know, in, in probation, you'd see a lot of judgment of the kids. You'd see a lot of people almost laugh at the kids. Some people felt really bad for the kids. Um, and, you know, and there's a quote that says, don't judge, don't laugh, uh, don't lament, but to understand. And, and to me, that meant understand why they do what they do and then learn the skills and tools and perspectives that they need to help them out. Yeah. Um, so that, that became my passion is to, you know, what, what, what do I need to learn in order to be effective in, in working with this population? And I could see this huge connection with substance abuse. So I said, you know what? Um, I better get educated. So I went back to school, University of Pacific, uh, became a certified drug and alcohol counselor. And, and that was really about 75, 80%. I, all the lights went on. I said, okay, I get it. There's such this big, huge connection um, with substance abuse. And I said, but there's something, there's another component that's missing. Um, and I was blessed enough where Stanislaus County brought in a training program called Seeking Safety. And it's a present-based counseling program, which means that you with, you know, some, some pretty um, entry-level counseling skills can use this curriculum because you don't have to be a therapist to do it, and yet therapists also um, use this curriculum with, with clients that are stuck with trauma, stuck with substance abuse. Um, and the material really is, is based on the, the factors that um, most people with trauma have substance abuse, and substance abuse leads to more trauma and more mental health. Um, so they really are co-occurring disorders. They call them double trouble and I sat through that two-day of training, and I said, this is it. This is, you know, this, it speaks the story of the kids that I've worked with for the last, you know, 13 years. And um, I took it back to juvenile hall and started doing the groups, and I was working in the girls' unit at that time. And, you know, girl after girl after girl, as we went through the material, say, Mr. Wheeler, this is the first time that I've ever felt normal in my whole life. This book was written for me. This material speaks about my life. It speaks about my heart. It, 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 it's, like, it's like talking to me. And the girls became starved for this, where I had, you know, I'd do one group a day, and I'd have girls at night say, Mr. Wheeler, please, please do another group with me. It's the only thing that makes me feel safe. So I'm doing two hours a group um, a day with girls that are, you know, human trafficking victims and substance abuse and, you know, pretty severe trauma backgrounds. And um, that was really when I said, God, oh, this, this is what I want to do. And, um, and he, uh, yeah, here we are. A <laughs> yeah. couple years after that, um, I had written a gang program. I had given it to Youth for Christ uh, because, I, you know, I could see their volunteers and their chaplains working in juvenile hall. We had a great relationship. I wasn't working for them. And um, they, they called me and said, hey, we want to meet you a little bit more. You know, we, you know you've been around forever. And we don't know why, but we think uh, that we're supposed to have a conversation with you. So I said, oh, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm not leaving probation. Yeah. And I said, well, that's, that's great because we don't have a job or any money for you, but um, we just feel like we're supposed to get to know you. So I went in and uh, did a meet and greet with everybody. And um, two weeks later, they called me up and said, our chaplain who's been here seven years resigned out of the blue. He's moving to Los Angeles. We prayed about it. You're supposed to take the job. And that was uh, almost exactly five years ago. Wow. Okay, right place at right time and yep. with the right with the right curriculum <laughs> and training. Love yep. it. And so you've been there ever since and then also running Youth for Christ in parallel. Well, I am I'm the director of juvenile justice. So our actual executive director is Rick Fritzmeyer. So I'm oh. the director of juvenile justice, which is 
uh, more of our high-risk population outreach. We have mentoring that goes into the schools and a, a family concern counseling. So. Um, I'm the I'm the head director of our juvenile justice program. Rick Fritzmeyer is our executive executive director. Okay, sorry I mixed that up. Um, no so yeah, so and and just from the standpoint of love never fails. So um, you know, just sharing with the listening audience, we have had you in to do to provide seeking safety training for all of our um, house staff and several of our mentors, and they have found it to be an amazing uh, resource. Really, really good. Um, it's it was like maybe four or five. Five hours, so it wasn't too painful. And then we, you know, we have the book that you know, you could get online, and and it's a great book, very simple and easy to understand. As you said, you know, not necessarily you don't necessarily have to be a clinician to, to grasp it. And um, that's what I love about it is the principles are so simple, just you know, seeking safety. You know, those daily things that people uh, maybe you haven't been through the kind of trauma that a human trafficking survivor has been through. Um, need to be reminded of or even taught, right? That it's okay to say no, that it's okay to um, express your feelings about a particular subject, right? Um, And so I believe there's like 55 different dimensions to uh, the, you know, the program, correct? Somewhere in in that range. There's 25 lessons and a lot of them can need to be split up into two or three sessions. It, It covers 84 different safe coping skills, um, there you, you go. Know, everything from the anger that's involved, um, boundaries, um, learning how to use community resources, um, learning about the split self and how to integrate different parts that are wounded. Um, you know, the, the great thing about seeking safety is it's stage one. And a lot of uh, service providers and people who are well-intentioned, they try to jump our clients into stages two and three without really – um, setting the stage. So first stage, which we love, and I'll stay here forever, is um, learning safe coping skills. So when a therapist uh, is, you know, maybe prying a little deeper or old wounds are coming out or there needs to be some spiritual, emotional healing and connection, um, they're actually able to take it without it being a trigger for them. So stage one is learning the safe coping skills. Uh, stage two is mourning the loss. And then stage three is reconnecting with a new reality. Yeah, um, and the reason why it's so effective is in juvenile hall. I, I, you know, we'd have new girls come in, and the therapist would come in, well-intentioned therapist, and they would talk about the trauma, um, you know, for forty-five minutes with the girl. The therapist would walk out the door, and then I have a girl who is absolutely triggered. Her PTSD all day Laired long, up, yeah, a wreck, mm-hmm. and. You know, well-intentioned therapists want to move the clients into the healing stage and, you know, telling their story and letting that, you know, kind of be a, um, a healing process. But when the girls did not know how to handle the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that come with talking about trauma, um, it would really set them up for a disaster. And then I'd have to try to de-escalate a kid for seven hours um, after a therapist did what they what they were trained to do, but really missed this important key stage. Yeah, that was that's a good point. And I think for us, so you know, in the house when we're doing, we're, we've been doing somatic therapy and cognitive therapy and a variety of different fer- therapy mechanisms. Our foundational curriculum being a one, you know, every day working on one of those safe um, steps, right? One of the eighty four um, uh, principles um, has really established this um, continuum of safe. Safety, right, and then you layer on this, the the clinical piece, and 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 to your point, you're you're able to reach back and say, you know what, I'm not comfortable sharing that right now, or 
I, you know, I need a break. I need to go and get a drink of water. And, you know, and like you said, it's it's not a reflection on the clinician per se, but it's it's all of the things that work together to create that safe experience for uh, the person that, that then allows them to move into a place of healing. Yeah. No, so many of our clients around 15 to 20 weeks, they start telling their story. And then I said, you know, I'm not a clinician. Um, and that might be triggering to some other women in the group. Um, let's set up a time where you can meet with a clinician therapist and really explore, you know, those old stories and those old wounds. That's awesome that you feel safe enough to tell me, but I don't, I'm not trained in that. I don't want to miss anything. Let's make sure we do this right. Um, you know, that's respectful of the other clients that are in group. So it's respectful of myself and not putting myself out of my scope of care. Uh, and then it's also respectful of the client making sure that they're getting the best care, um, when they do decide to tell their story, but you know, so many of them wanting to tell their story comes from um, having a good first experience with safe people and learning the safe coping skills, even being safe enough with themselves to think about stuff that has happened in the past. Absolutely. It just flows so beautifully together. Absolutely. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We didn't touch on the military question, but we will. I also want to kind of talk to you about, um, you know, recidivism, you know, and and what, you know, what you've learned when you contrast the things that you were doing earlier in your career and now and whether you're noticing that there's a greater level of healing that your clients are experiencing. So when we come back, we'll touch on all of that. And thank you so much for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with uh, Ben Wheeler, who's a chaplain and um, also one of the leaders of Youth for Christ and has been doing some amazing work in the Bay Area in Stanislaus County uh, to uh, teach other um, concerned volunteers, mentors, clinicians, and a variety of other roles about um, uh, programs like Seeking Safety and other methodologies that really help uh, when treating high trauma um, program members and clients. And so just kind of touching into that topic about the military, I'm curious because, you know, I know that uh, there are, unfortunately, there are groups of people that like to villainize um uh, people and you know in particular I noticed that that's a, a very big trend in the human trafficking arena where exploiters are villainized and gang members are villainized and and um, and and it's because the things that that they're doing are you know hard to digest and they're and they're criminal um, behaviors right um, and so we don't like those but I, I like to go you know you said it earlier at the beginning when you first started you said I love gang members and I'm like I love this guy because because I love gang members too and and it's because I see what's beneath, you know, all of those behaviors, those criminal behaviors. And I see this, you know, little kid that somewhere along the way um, didn't have their needs met. And I, you know, I just have eyes to see that. And, and, and so I wonder if there, you know, when you think about the draw towards military versus gang life, is, is it similar, right? Do the benefits look the same to a child? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from an untrained eye, they, they, you know, you take the best option that you have at the time. And, you know, I, I think as 
you know, a church or, you know, just a, a normal person. I said, well, they have to know better. And the thing is, you have to be exposed to know better. And right. the, the lack of exposure from our kids, uh, you know, really, if you could get into their heads for a few minutes, you would really say, oh, I didn't know how they saw the world. I didn't know how little they d- knew. I didn't know how few safe relationships, if any, they really they had. had. Right. Uh, you know, and, and the and the rate of abuse from men who are trafficking that they've been sexually abused themselves right. is astronomical. Absolutely. Um, and you know, and that doesn't make it okay, nope. but it helps you understand that hey, these guys have some stuff going on too. Exactly. Uh, that, that needs to be addressed. Yeah, and and you know, I I emphasize that everywhere I go because um while I, you know, I do want to see exploiters brought to justice and I want them to stop doing what they're doing, I also am huge on providing alternatives. You know, what are the alternatives? No, can, can we compete with hundreds of thousand dollars quick money? No, we can't. So that that's got to, you know, that's the, the, those addictions as you mentioned earlier have got to be addressed, but we need to be able to provide vehicles for uh, young men to provide for their families, um, for young men to feel valued and 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 um, and appreciated, and you know it really does start with just just me, just me being able to look a young man in the face and say, "I care about you. Um, I see this or that talent that you have. I think you're gifted in this and that area, and I want to connect you with somebody in my network that can maybe make a difference for you." Um, and for me, I've I you know I've noticed that that just doing Doing something as simple as that has made a huge difference in the lives of various young men that I've met. Absolutely. You know, yeah. when, um, when I first took the job at Juvenile Hall, I was doing two different curriculums, uh, one for our girls seeking safety, and I was doing a, a, a principles and values curriculum that was amazing. But I said, you know, I, you know, I don't want to do the, the seeking safety with the, with the boys. It's, you know, not, not manly enough. Um, one week I didn't run off enough lessons of the uh, principles and values, so I, I just took my seeking safety lessons into the boys, and I'm like, oh, I'll try to toughen it up a little bit. And, you know, their 85 90% of my male clients in juvenile hall had the same response to it. Oh, my goodness, this is awesome. And they loved it, and they loved doing the goal setting through, you know, the check-in and the check-out process and learning about substance and learning about trauma. And, you know, you talk to them and you hear their stories, and you're like, oh, they're they're – that it, how they act out is different than the girls, but so many of the wounds are exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, I we haven't tried the Seeking Safety program with our young men. Maybe that's something we need to consider. Um, it, it's funny how we kind of thought it would be more appropriate for the ladies in the house, but um, we do have a, a, a group of young young men that are meeting it with their mentors in a group fashion, so maybe we should give that a go. Um, yeah, so that's great. So just thinking a little bit about your early days, right, when you, you were working with this population and, and now with everything that you know, um, and, and more, more looking at sort of the way the system is sort of set up and ways, you know, best practices that maybe we can start to um, uh, lobby for to, to have incorporated in juvenile probation, for example. What are some things, how would you contrast your early days and now with the, with the new information that you have today? Well, I, I think in the early days, I did a lot of drive-by counseling, motivational speaking that was not relational-based. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds really good. I mean, I can I can do an hour of motivational speaking, and a healthy, normal adult would be like, there's no reason now any kid sitting in this audience should not be fixed because he's explained everything that's going on. Right. And 
you know, the kid walks away saying, I still don't have the skills and I still don't have the relationships that I need. Yeah, all that stuff he said was true, but I don't know what to do with it next. Mm. You know, there's, there's no quick fix to our kids. Our kids need long-term, safe relationships. Um, you know, in our groups, we talk about the three things that we're going to do in group is we, we give them skills for the hands, understanding for the head, which is knowledge, and then healing for the heart. And that can't be done in a drive-by counseling session in one hour. You know, it, it takes weeks, months, sometimes years to develop all three of those where they're functioning together, um, and then they're able to imperfectly practice them together. Say that again. Skills for the hands. Understanding for the head, healing for the heart. Healing for the heart. If you miss any one of them, you're going to have a deficit because a car is not just an engine. A car is not just an engine and a body. A car is an engine, a body, and wheels, and you need all three. You take any one of those skills away, um, and you're going to have a problem with with the human being because we're not just one thing. No, we're multifaceted, and yeah, exactly, and... And it's so funny because com- conversely, right, we, we have a, uh, it's funny, we have different folks coming in and it's just, you know, they, they just want to pour out their hearts on someone, right? And and we're not setting boundaries, let's say, with someone saying, no, 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 we've got to, you've got to do some of the work, right? And so that skills with the hands, right, is, I love that because it's, it's requiring them to do some work with their hands, teaching them how to do it, right? Whatever that thing is that we're supposed to put our hand to. And then that understanding about it, right? I love that. That's that's great, and um, it's certainly needed. So you know, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back, and I want to talk to you about different definitions of going back, right? So you know, in in the human trafficking arena, um, it's been challenging because um, people are constantly asking. So give me some of your metrics, like how many ladies have graduated from phase one to phase two in your houses, and and how many go back to the life? And and do you in, do you consider that to be a fel, you know failure on your part? And mm-hmm. um, and I I have a certain perspective on that that I'd like to share with you and see what you think. So when we come back, we're going to come uh, we'll, we'll co- come back to this conversation about going back. And and uh, thank you so much for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Ben Wheeler, who is a chaplain at a juvenile hall and uh, in the Central Valley and is doing some amazing work with his organization, Youth for Christ, and uh, really taking a, a curriculum called Seeking Safety uh, all everywhere that he goes. And uh, it's just really been a wonderful blessing to Love Never Fails. Uh, just kind of digging, before we dig into the uh, questions you know, the topic of going back, um, I'd like to just make sure that people know that they can actually support your work and all the great, great things that you're doing for us and so many other agencies. I I believe you work very closely with Without Permission as well. And uh, we love the work that they're doing there in Modesto and throughout Central Valley. And so so we want to encourage people to support you in an upcoming race, right? Uh, A swim that's happening yep. in the Bay. Wow. On September the 11th. Tell us more. Um, 
there's a organization over in, in the Bay Area that they put on uh, fun swims, and you can turn them into a fundraiser. So a couple of years ago, um, me and another board member did the Alcatraz swim. So I've done Alcatraz twice, once with a wetsuit, once without a wetsuit. I highly recommend the wetsuit. Um, <laughs> on September 11th, we are going from one side of the Golden Gate Bridge to the other, swimming underneath it. Um, to raise funds, to raise support for Youth for Christ with the, with the mentoring, with our uh, juvenile hall program, and for our high-risk uh, population that we serve here in, in uh, Central Valley. Awesome. Okay. And what's your website? Uh, www.scyfc.com. And that's so F as in Frank? Uh, S. So oh, Sam S. Sam. Okay, gotcha. Youth for Christ. All right. S. C. Awesome. Okay, we've got that. So we will um, hopefully get some folks on uh, that are listening on over there to support you. I mean, if nothing more, just well, you, so you're going to do the wetsuit. I was going to say having you swim without a wetsuit. I mean, shiver me timbers. <laughs> yeah, the first 45 minutes aren't bad, and the last 15 get real cold. Oh, gosh. Well, you guys are certainly brave. My goodness. All right. Well, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> um, so just kind of digging back into this why they go back thing, right? So, you know, we, last year we had 25 women and eight children in our house and, and several of them multiple times, right? Several of the women left and came back multiple times. So, but 25 unique women and, um, and 11 of them graduated to phase two. So that tells you, uh, you know, a 14 actually went back out and, you know, there's a variety of reasons for that, but most of them, you know, come from trauma, right? The various levels of trauma. And, you know, for me, uh, what one of the reasons that I'm encouraged is when I speak to the girls and most of them, I keep in contact with the ones that went back out. Um, and when I speak to them, they, um, they tell me, you know, I I'm back out here, but you know, I have a different perspective on what I'm doing. For example, one, one young lady told me I no longer allow people to do these things to me. You know, I have, I have a new level of, um, a value that I've placed on myself was such that I won't allow um, someone to hit me or I won't allow um, certain, you know, certain things that an, a buyer might request. I'm not going to allow that anymore. And for me, I consider that moving uh, across the continuum uh, of the stages of change. Um, but, uh, and, and I'm, I'm encouraged about that. And I'm, I'm hopeful that one day they will be fully aware of their full worth and value. And, and, and also they will have, have the uh, proper resources around them that will allow them to take those steps to move, you know, fully away from it. But in the meantime, I'm loving them where they are. Um, thoughts on that? And, and, and do you have a similar perspective? Well, a- absolutely. And, you know, um, giving, you know, time in the field gives you a much different perspective than when you're new, you invest, you have a picture in your mind of what's going to happen. Okay. You know, when I first worked with a girl who's Coming out of human trafficking, I, I remember walking her down the hallway, and I said, you know what? You don't know this, but, you know, God brought you here. It's going to change your life. And I'm telling you, it sure didn't look like what I had pictured in my mind. Mm. And, you know, the same thing with so many of the boys we work with um, and, and the girls. that you, you say, okay, well, this is going to be the timeline. And then they're gone for five years. And then you're like, man, what a waste of my time. What a waste of God's time. You know, what a waste of money and resources. We should have, you know, invested in somebody else. 
and then you get a call saying, oh, Mr. Wheeler, you know, um, I've been shooting heroin in Arizona for five years, and I finally went into a program because the, the things I learned in juvenile hall and your words and my volunteers' words never left me, and I couldn't run, and I just graduated a two-year Salvation Army program, and I'm going into ministry, and I about fall out of my chair. And that's <laughs> time know. and time and time again. And I go, okay, my job is to show up, love them where they're at, do the best I can with what I've got, give them the skills, and then, you know what, so much of this, it, it, it's not our call for when they're going to get it. Nope. Um, when they're going to apply it. And we had a girl um, about two years ago, she went through Seeking Safety, and she could not even fathom some of the things that we were talking about. She was, um, you know, 30 years old, um, been through um, horrible domestic violence, the street lifestyle, drug dealing, tattooed from head to toe. I mean, you look at her and go, this is a hardcore lady. And we used to tell her she is not her behavior, but her behavior affects her life. Right. And she could not fathom that she was not her behavior. And I said, think of a behavior that you don't like about yourself. And she she would say, okay, I have it. And I said, that's not you, and you're better than that. You're Mm -hmm. better than that. She goes, I can't understand what you're saying. Yeah. And she graduated seeking safety, disappeared, went back to the streets, um, showed back up in group, and started again, you know, pretty busted. And she said, but you know what? One of the things I kept hearing, even in that year where I was, you know, twisting off yep. was, I'm better than this. I'm better than this. I'm better than this. Yep. And when probation caught me again, and I said, I only want, I, I don't want Mr. Wheeler's class because I'm not ready for that depth. And they said, too bad you're going back to Mr. Wheeler's class. And as soon as I sat there on day one, everything I learned came flooding back. And I said, I want it. She said, I want to do it different this time. She's got, you know, 80 days clean, and there, there's something about her her heart that has changed. She's softened. She has a she has a heart again. And I thought, I, I'm just so judge done judging. I'm I'm going to give the tools. I'm going to give the care. I'm going to give the love. I'm going to give the spiritual. We're going to give everything we can, and then the results take time. Good results take time to measure. Yeah, absolutely. Good results take time to measure. I love that. Yeah. And you know, what's so funny about me personally is that I was so stressed out early on uh, because of all those codependent behaviors and trying to control and keep somebody from doing this and that and that and the other. And when you move into this place where you're loving people uh, where they are, right, and you're you're releasing them to where they are and you're loving them where they are. Uh, it, it's so empowering for everyone, right? Because you can go to sleep at night knowing that you've done everything that you can possibly do, which is love them. And, um, and, and, you know, of course, incorporate those skills and do it with excellence, right? And all those techniques, but, you know, loving them where they are. And then you just release them to the Lord and you let him do what he does, which is the healing and bringing the other people in to, to catch them up wherever they might be. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I remember I'm, I'm, I'm brought back to that day um, when you and I crossed paths and we had already met, but we crossed paths with a young lady, right. That we, we were, you know, we needed to rescue and we, we our project look for me team was bringing her out of her, her ish, her situation. And, and, um, and, you know, it was funny because she was reaching out to you at the same time and, and, you know, our hearts were so touched and so, and, and in such a unique way 
away and I knew then we needed to do work more work together um, and because here was this young lady this beautiful young lady that you had sewed so much into that you had poured so much into that was just just could not wait to come back and say that she had she had left the life and she was going to graduate and she graduated from high school that week um, yep. It was it was a glorious day, um, and and she she held on to your every word. Yep, no, she's a sweetie, and you know the the level of trauma and abuse that she had gone through. You know, I, I just consider her a miracle, regardless of what she does and where she goes. You know, you can understand why she had so many of the things that she did, whether it's intentional or unintentional. That that looked like sabotage for her, but really were just the best that she knew how to survive hard things. The best she could do. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but you know, to know that you, you gave her an anchor, you know, like when I put the bracelets on, um, the girls and and the young men's, uh, arm and they say you are loved. Um, it, for me, I feel like I'm giving them, just a little reminder, right? An anchor, something to live for, something to look to. And, and it's funny, sometimes I'll see some of the girls and they'll still have them on or they'll ask me, I, I lost my bracelet. I need a new bracelet. I need to be reminded that I'm loved, you know, just that little, little, little piece of something that they can hold on to means all the world, you know? We yeah. still end every, we still end every group with, we love you. We believe in you and we can do this together and I'll see you back next week. And we close in prayer. Wow. Yay. Well, we're, we're coming to a close here. I wanted to, uh, we're going to come back and actually go through some of our events. Um, but I, I wanted to just express my deepest gratitude to you and the rest of your team there for all of the work that you're doing and, um, and your help to, uh, love never fails. And, and, uh, we look forward to doing so much more together. Thank you again. My pleasure. Okay. Have a great day. So we'll be back uh, for the listening audience. We'll be back in just a moment. We're going to hear about different events and ways that you can get involved and be part of the change that you want to see, you know, be, be part of uh, those that are being counted to fight against human trafficking. And thank you so much for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. So we have quite a few events going on in the community this month. We've got an event on the 18th of August, and we're actually celebrating our very own Regina Evans of Regina's Door. She is actually going to be honored at the annual barbecue in Pleasanton put on by District Attorney Nancy O'Malley, and we want to encourage you to go out and and uh, uh, go to Nancy O'Malley's website and purchase a ticket and support Regina, uh, all the great work that she's been doing in Oakland and otherwise uh, to fight against human trafficking and raise 
awareness about this issue in in the Bay Area. We really appreciate her and 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 invite you to go out there and and support her. Also on the seventeenth of September, we want to encourage you to come out to our Harmonic Reduction event. It's a it's a movement to end child trafficking through music, and that's on September the seventeenth from ten a.m. to ten p.m. on Fifteenth Street in Oakland uh, between Webster and Harrison. Uh, there's tickets for sale on Eventbrite, and if you go to Harmonic Reduction, you can see it there. You can also catch it on our website, on our uh, Facebook, rather, and also on our website. Uh, this is a, promising to be a very exciting event with uh, presentations from a variety of, uh, of artists throughout the community, um, all of them uh, donating their time in order to uh, raise awareness and funds to fight against human trafficking. And Love Never Fails' role in this is actually we are bringing in Protect, which is our prevention organized to educate children on trafficking, our collaboration with Frederick Douglass Family Initiative and um, Three Strands Global, uh, to educate all uh, 5th, 7th, ninth, and 11th grade students throughout California. And so if when you purchase a ticket to this event, you support uh, our Protect initiative. So we want to invite you to do that. Also, on October 4th, that's a Tuesday from 6 to 8.30, we're going to be honoring, along with the city of Hayward, a volunteer that has been doing some amazing work in Hayward through the New Hope Christian Fellowship Feed My Sheep Outreach Activity and Program, and that is feeding homeless in Hayward every Tuesday evening. And also, she's been volunteering with Love Never Fails for years in a variety of capacities, and that's going to be the City of Hayward Volunteer Banquet, Tuesday, October 4th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. And you can get your tickets from the City of Hayward's website. Also, we want to invite you on October 25th at St. Columba. There's going to be a child human trafficking workshop. And uh, you can go to the St. Columba website and, um, and and get more information. Or you can email me at Vanessa at loveneverfailsus.com. Also, on the 4th of November, we have been invited along with Dr. Aisha Mays, uh, the District Attorney Nancy O'Malley's office, um, Cynthia Damone from OUSD and a variety of other speakers to s- present at the Northern California School Safety Conference. And we encourage you to come and, and be a part of that conference and learn more about what we're doing from a protect standpoint, as well as in the local schools there at OUSD, um, what they're doing, as well as um, the district attorney, what she's doing to uh, raise awareness. Um, also, we, um, we're we going to be participating this year on uh, November 8th so uh, for the KFAX Pastors breakfast. Uh, That is the voting day. So we encourage you to get out there, cast your vote, and then come on over to the pastor's breakfast and participate in that event. We will have a table set up there and we want to encourage you to to mark your calendars for that. Of course, we don't want to forget about street outreach that's happening on the third Saturday of every month. Meet us at Faith Fellowship Church in San Leandro at 577 Manor Boulevard, 630 p.m. And come join us. We have we go to a variety of cities throughout the Bay Area, Central Valley, and the South Bay, and really reach out to those in need uh, firsthand. Also, I want to invite you to become one of the million ways that we fight human trafficking. And in doing so, if you could go to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash million, you will be able to sign up to donate $1 a month to Love Never Fails. Just $1 a month will, will go such a long way in helping us 
to keep on this program and helping us to keep our our our, our community store going and our houses up. And we just want to um, encourage you to uh, go ahead and 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 become one of our our partners, one of our million partners, and encourage your friends and family to do the same. Again, you are. We truly believe that you are one of the million ways that we will stop human trafficking, and we can't do this without you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, we want to um, just make sure that as people are listening, that the chaplain, Ben Wheeler, said it earlier, we, we want to end with, with that message of love. And we want to make sure that you know that you're valuable, that you're important, and that you have a place. If you're out there and you're a survivor and you're saying, I don't, uh, I don't know who I am, we want you to know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org, by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org and click on Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. Our theme song, Courage to Believe, is by Justin McRoberts. Hear more about his passion for justice and art at justinmcroberts.com. Our audio engineer is Jarrell Martin, and this is Dave Naderhood. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, Thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors, and the ones who still sleep our eyes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.